in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Dustin Melbardis. Dustin, how are you? I am relaxed. It is an awesome, kind of slow-paced Saturday for me. Uh, you know, my my New Year's resolution this year was not to rush anything. I don't want to feel rushed. I move at a pretty fast pace when I'm at work. So when I'm at home just chilling, I don't want to feel like rushed or that I need to move fast to anything. If that means that I have to skip a workout, that's fine. But yeah, I'm just having a relaxing, chill day. I hate you so much. And our podcast <laughs> listeners will find out why in a minute. He's going to go back to Justin if he's not careful. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But you know what, Dustin? Despite your relaxed, laid-back nature, I am amped up. Do you know why? Probably about the movie we're covering tonight, huh? No. Well, yes, but we have a crossover guest, which is the best kind of guest. Oh, so yes. from the Middle Class Film Class podcast, we have Pete Abeta. Did I did I butcher that, Pete? You nailed it. Nailed it. Awesome. That's what I go for. Yeah. Pete, thank you for joining us. Please tell our listeners about Middle Class Film Class podcast, what you guys do, where to find it real quick, and then we'll jump into our warm-ups. Absolutely. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. It's been, it's nice to be on the show. See one of your two faces uh, through the through the old Skyper here. Yeah, I'm an analog person. <laughs> it's all good, no man. camera. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, the show that we're that I have is a, it's a podcast called Middle Class Film Class, as you said before. We release twice a week, and we do um, one one episode on Mondays is called Gab and Chatter. It's a weekly movie news. Uh, interesting topics, dis- discussion topics, and sometimes interviews with cast and crew from upcoming movies. And then um, we also do streaming recommendations at the end of that episode. So all three of us, me, Joseph, and Tyler, will give our recommendations for stuff that we've streamed this week for free on our services that our listeners can also stream if it's worth their time. Um, and then on Wednesdays, we do one deep dive review into a movie of our choice uh, chosen at random from our spinning wheel of destiny. Probably the biggest difference between our show and um, the 100,000 million uh, movie podcasts you have out there is that we record everything live to tape, like a, like a morning radio talk show. So all the sound effects are added live, all the intro music and uh, trailers and things are all live. So we have also do a ton of audience participation. So people send in voicemails, emails, we'll read them on the air. And probably about a third, probably about a quarter of our picks are fan picks. They come from uh, suggestions from the listeners. So you can find it anywhere you think you can find podcasts. And a lot of places you didn't think you could find podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Well, that is awesome. And fan participation is 
awesome, and I am not at all jealous. Do I sound jealous at all, <laughs> Dustin? I think we're happy in our little bubble then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fa- fans, he's got fans. Hey, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I did want to say uh, on the topic of New Year's resolutions, uh, my New Year's resolution is to have Barack Obama follow me on Twitter. So far, not not successful. Well, keep at it. <laughs> That's my one New Year's resolution. He is a big fan of our show. I know he listens. So That's right. Mr. President, if you could please just reach out to Pete, give him a follow. That would Thank help you. out a lot. Him Appreciate and the Queen, it. big fans. Uh, th- <laughs> those are our only two fans. Oh, okay. Not Bruce Springsteen? No, no. The boss uh, not is. Not the boss. Just the, the boss queen. is not a fan. <laughs> All right, so we we do a couple quick warm-up questions before we get into our movie. Today's movie, we've got some excitement. Uh, Sometimes it's the opposite. What's a slow and hard movie for you to get through? Ooh, slow and hard movie to get through. Um, I hate the phrasing of this. Darn you, Russell. Slow and his movie. uh, uh, Magic Mike, is that what we're talking about? Yes, yes. (laughs) I don't know. I like I like slow movies. Um, that's kind of my jam. Oh no! I'd say the, probably the last one I watched, which was, it was good, but not. It didn't scratch the itch that I really wanted. Was and it was pretty slow. It was uh, the seventh Seventh Seal, in Ingrid, uh, in, Ingrid Bergman. I think that's no. That's the yeah. actor. That's uh, Ingmar Ingmar Bergman. Yep. Yeah, that is incredibly slow. Good, but slow. It's pretty slow, and it comes from my people from Sweden, and uh, it's 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 not as uh it's not paced like a modern movie. So let's just say that. Right. Yeah, that's from what forties, thirties, something like that. It's it's considerably older. Let me check. Let me check my letterbox because I just I just watched this thing, and I'm a, I'm a huge letterbox user. I'm a absolutely big fan. You guys, you guys on letterbox? We are. We even have our. Our list that shows, hey, you can filter by host and see when you don't want to listen to me talk. Oh, that's awesome. It's uh, 1957. 1957. Excellent. Yes. Dustin, what was the last movie that you watched? The the last movie that I watched was Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, because I had heard that the new Joker was going to be a musical. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. <laughs> So I, so I was like, well, I, I guess if I, if I got to get in the mood, uh, so yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, one of the scenes came across YouTube, and I was like, and I've said this before on the podcast. Why watch a clip on YouTube when you can just pop in the flick? So I watched uh, Sweeney Todd. Excellent. Gonna have the what is it? Best meat pies in London. The best pies in London. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Sondheim uh, is a killer. It's 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 strangely enough, you know, you think of like the Tim Burton and Danny Elfman connection, but this is a you know Tim Burton and Sondheim connection, and so like it's it, that's one thing that kind of makes it a little special, considering the same types of faces you're used to seeing with that, uh, and it's just a, it's a killer. And I I did ask you the wrong question, so I'll ask you the right question now, and then get back sure. <laughs> get back because I have a rant of my own. But yeah, 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 yeah. What is what is your slow and hard movie? Tag on you, Russell. Listeners of the podcast will remember this flick from last year. <laughs> oh no, Elliot Gould, uh, The Long Goodbye <laughs> is a movie that is slow and hard for me to get through. And I believe I remember saying on our end of the year countdown that uh, what I had done was I went to Google and I typed 
is the long goodbye and i let google finish it for me and it said <laughs> boring yes <laughs> because it is and I, it's impossible for me to get through so it's that's the one that's really hard i mean i had to watch it but it was way way too much for me i yes i agree i was not on that podcast thankfully but i would have given it similar feelings dude we were spared neither of us were on the podcast but it, oh, when wow. we had to review it, it was, that's funny draining me yeah you never want to do that for a guest never that gets it. up for their movie it's like hey i've presented this to you I'm like i i would rather watch my paint dry yeah. <laughs> uh, for me i love horror movies it's my thing but what i don't love is the witch and it sounds like pete and i are now enemies because this seems like your type of movie but People absolutely adore this movie. I just find it mind-numbingly boring. It took me three tries to get through. I can count on one hand with fingers left over the amount of interesting things that happened in this movie. <laughs> you don't like the part where the baby gets turned into uh, anti-aging cream? No. It's just <laughs> Black Phillip was the only redeeming quality of that movie. And even then, that you could have just given me a short TikTok of a goat and I would have been happier. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an apologist for The Witch. I, I saw it opening weekend in theaters on a, on a whim and I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And as, a, as the audience was leaving this small theater I was in, I was sitting there watching the silent credits and uh, I could hear everybody murmuring as they went out like, what the hell was that? This, that was garbage. That was it. You know, I thought something was going to happen. And I'm sitting there like, wow. That was fantastic. That was so good. Silent adoration of this yeah, thing that I was other there. people are complaining about. I was cleaning the drool off of my bib. I would yeah. have liked to have been in that theater because I'm in the minority. I have rarely encountered people that don't just adore this movie. So it's uh, it's forever on my list. So Pete, I will ask you the, the question I asked Dustin. What's the last movie that you watched? Uh, last movie I watched was a streaming on Shudder called Alligator from 1980. Nice. Yeah, super fun. Um, heard had some people recommend it to me on on uh, film Twitter and Facebook, and uh, it looked like cheesy fun, and it was exactly that: unrelenting alligator kills. Robert Forster, forty years ago, st already balding, and somebody in the whoever wrote the script wrote a line forcing him to comment on his male pattern baldness and how much he hated it. And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like having a sensual moment with someone who's probably young enough to be his daughter in the movie. And she like plays with his hair and he goes, I got male battering baldness and I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it again and had no bearing on the story. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Did you do that on purpose? Mr. Segway, Mr. Pete Segway, speaking of male pattern baldness, let's talk about our actor for today. Hey. Oh yeah. I, one of the King of bald. Oh, I've got a movie. Dustin, <laughs> I want to okay, talk yeah. about. What's the last movie oh yeah, you watched? I I want my narcissism moments. I <laughs> I watched The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and it was one of the most tonally strange werewolf movies I have ever seen. Yes, uh, co-starring co Robert Forster. Yes, from Alligator, yeah. his last movie before he passed away. Yes, it it's a comedy. It's drama. It's horror. It is all over the place, and I am still unsure what to do with it. So I I think I recommend it. It's one of the better modern werewolf movies, but Dog Soldiers is still my go-to. But yes, speaking of male pattern baldness, 
You know what I'm talking about? Wolf of Snow Hollow more? Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, Jim Cummingham? Or Jim Cummings? Jim Cummings, yes. Maybe the most intriguing thing about what you just said is, is the strongest recommendation I can hear from you is if you say, I think I recommend it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Pretty sure. Yeah, it... It was, it's just a strange movie, but... Which, it, which did you like better, Wolf of Snow Hollow or Mad God? Mad God. Oh, really? I, wow. I did like Mad God better, which that is, if you want tonally strange, there that movie is for you. <laughs> what is also strange is our movie today, in a very different way, male pattern baldness. Dustin, what movie are we doing today? From 2006, we are doing Crank. That uh, we are doing the movie Crank, if anyone is confused. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> yes. Yes. What are... It's a relaxing Saturday. It's a different kind of Saturday. Yeah, I don't have to be at work tomorrow, so anything goes. Right? <laughs> right? Uh, so from 2006, we have Crank, starring Jason Statham, Amy Smart, Jose Pablo Cantillo, Efren Ramirez, and Dwight Yoakam. It has a budget of $12 million. It does significantly better in the box office domestically. It's about $28 million. It places a hundredth. It places ahead of The Ant Bully and right behind Stick It, two movies I have not seen nor heard of. And the number number one movie of that year, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. IMDb rating 6.9, Rotten Tomatoes, Critics actually give it a surprising 61%. I'm a little surprised at the critics here. The audience likes it more. 71%. It wins nada. So, that's Dustin, I feel like that's becoming a theme of ours of movies that movies that don't win anything and aren't nominated for anything. I think at least we usually get like somewhere on like oh this made thrillers like top 100 or you know what what was that channel you mentioned earlier that shutter like the, the yeah. shutter yeah like somebody's list it made at least somebody's list but no we got nothing on crank here right right so pete this was your submission to us we picked it had you seen crank before if so what what were your thoughts coming back to it this time does it hold up uh, no, I haven't seen Crank or Crank 2 High Voltage. <laughs> and uh, I all I've ever heard of, honestly, is Crank High Voltage, the, the second of the installment. And I've heard, I heard a number of people, like critics that I, I kind of align with, say that Crank 2 is just a lot of fun and it's uh, nonstop action and it's kind of like Hardcore Henry. And um, this one, it did not land on me all that much. Like the fun stuff was pretty fun, and the outlandishness. It's almost like the pacing of Smoking Aces, where it's like very frenetic and very ob- obviously high energy. I mean, the point of the movie is to keep his you know adrenaline high. But I kind of was expecting a little bit more, maybe because since this this was almost like the dawn of like rock star cinema, you know, monster energy cinema. That um, it spawns stuff that it is more high energy, like Hardcore Henry, um, or something like Smoke and Aces. Those are those are kind of like my go-to, really nonstop high energy movies. But uh, it was a very fun movie. But I think maybe if I watched this in '06, um, I'm 36 now, so I would have been right around 20. I probably would have just fallen in love with it because it was so extreme and over the top, and never quite seen anything like it. Um, now it's like some of the stuff is like, eh, these, it, 
Ch- Chev's Chev's not the greatest guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Chev Chelios. <laughs> We've had that quite often of if you didn't get to it in time when it was around or particularly if you were a child, we keep bringing up the movie Legend, which is absolute garbage. <laughs> but the people that saw it as children treasure this movie and good for them. Treasure those memories. Your movie is garbage. Dustin, <laughs> how about you? Had you seen Crank? Uh, no, I had not seen it before, but that is the, the number one recurring thing. Is I, I've seen the fewest movies of anybody on these shows, and so, but I knew about it, and I knew about Statham, and I knew about a uh, sort of cultural recognition of um, this kind of action flick. And funny, Hardcore Henry was the first thing I thought of, um, and but I, I didn't hear anything about um, the, the sequel being somehow more touted. I just thought this was, oh, you know, crank. When I mentioned uh, that we would be doing it for the podcast, I had friends of mine say, crank, really? Is it that old? Like, it's 16 years ago. Yeah, yeah right. it is. And I think some things do seem dated. Uh, but as far as for what it is and for what the view, like the, the purpose of this kind of movie, I think it accomplishes what it's supposed to. Uh, but, you know, I'll wait till after the break for us to really dive deep into it. But I was expecting the pace to be frenetic. It definitely meant that. Um, yep. And I think that's kind of all I needed to expect was right. that this is going to move fast. Get ready. 88 minutes. I sat down with uh, some pizza and wings. I'm like, let's do this. Let's revert back to the very end of high school, Dustin, and like jump into this. And uh, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to make it three for three. I had not seen Crank. I had the same expectations as Dustin. I was sitting down with my Monster Energy drink as I was watching this. So, <laughs> so I was a little pleased there. You know, Crank's not a movie that you expect to be a scathing indictment with social commentary. That's not why you're seeing this movie. There are some things in in here that... You know, we've related to James Bond podcasts. They're problematic. That's not what this movie is really trying to do. Uh, did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. I I think, Pete, you make the best point. Had I gotten to this in 2006, yeah, we're, we're right there in age. I would have been way more amped for this movie than, yeah. you know, as a 37-year-old with a 5-year-old daughter. It's like, okay, this this changes uh, the tone for me between, yeah, Chev is now kind of a jerk where he would have been like the coolest dude ever. I think I think Chev is supposed to be extremely cool. And I think at, at that age when we should have seen it, I should have might be the wrong word, but at that age, had we hit it when it came out, uh, Chev Chelios, I mean, this is coming after two transporter movies and the Italian job. Like, like this guy, this guy is supposed to be all oh, like... Uh, a hero and very cool and i think we learned pretty quick that chef chelios isn't all of those things but it's enough to drive a movie and it did yeah so if you have not seen crank yet please check it out if you have we are going to take a brief ad break before dustin spoils this movie for you we will be right back welcome to the all 80s movies podcast i'm bill And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, 
a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we're back. Last chance, if you haven't seen Crank, put us on pause, go check it out. Dustin, can you break down Crank for us? Don Carlos is the leader of a crime ring who is looking to eliminate the increasing presence of rival gangsters on his turf by having their leader, Don Kim, assassinated. He sends his man, Chev Chelios, to pull the trigger. To avoid backlash and blame, Ricky Verona, another in the employee of Don Carlos, poisons Chelios with a synthetic drug that inhibits the flow of adrenaline, which should eventually lead to Chelios' heart stopping and Don Carlos running the crime scene with no further foreign encroachment. Surprisingly, Chelios' heart does not give out right away, and through a fast-paced morning of driving fast, doing a bump of coke off the floor of a bathroom, fighting with the unaffiliated Sin City disciples, and chatting with his doctor, Dwight Yoakam, he learns that he needs to keep his adrenaline up in order to survive the day, which turns into a high-speed chase toward protecting his girlfriend Eve, played by an in-her-acting-prime Amy Smart, and getting revenge on Don Carlos and Verona, which leads us to the movie itself. It took some effort to get this information from the movie, because your attention is bombarded <laughs> by Chelios driving a Buick Riviera through a mall, storming a hospital searching for epinephrine, and getting shocked by defibrillator paddles, fighting and chopping off Verona's brother's hand, and then shooting him with it, hand still attached, confessing his true profession to Eve while both fending off killers and railing her in Chinatown, followed by a showdown between the two original gangs, leading to a helicopter fist fight high above the city, in which Verona is choked to death and Chev falls half of a mile onto a car before we hear two more heartbeats. <laughs> yeah. That was a great synopsis, by the way. I yeah. love that. It's, it was difficult, as I only watched this movie once, and I'm just like, how did we get here? But we got, <laughs> but we got here. Right. Yeah, I... I almost feel like you've eliminated our plot discussion altogether. You covered, <laughs> you covered everything, Dustin. But yeah, I, I'll pitch this to Pete first and foremost. We start just bang, bang, right off. There's the FU DVD playing, gets up, first-person camera, disorientation, and we go straight into it. We The metal music is playing. He's going nuts on his apartment and you learn that this beijing cocktail is is in his system do you like a movie like crank just foregoing exposition really and saying here we go yeah absolutely it's like if you're going to do it with any movie this type of movie is the one you're going to do it with it's um it's interesting because watching watching that plot now it's like this will kill you we're going to poison you it will kill you it's not going to happen now it's a weird like trope in the, in the like assassination in movies and I kind of dig it. Most recently the best version of that that I've seen was in Kate uh, from last year on Netflix starring uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's got like radiation poisoning. It will kill her in 24 hours. It's just take adrenaline to 
find the person that poisoned her. And it was like, that was kind of like this, but with a really strong, you know, offensive male, um, you know, front. Um, I dug the fact that it's like, it's the filmmakers are essentially telling the audience, this is not about plot. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, we don't need, you don't even need to know this character's name. We'll tell you later. Don't worry about it. Uh, right now, all you need to know is he's dying. He's your best friend. The camera's attached to him, and the guy on the screen is the bad guy. So buckle up. Here, here it comes. Yeah, he had a sweet apartment, too, for an assassin. <laughs> Dustin, you you are Mr. Kung Fu Guy action. Does skipping all the, all the background here and just getting straight to the Beijing Cocktail 24 countdown clock, mm-hmm. is that a... Is that a good device for a movie like Crank? Totally. Yeah. And I didn't find myself yearning for the plot when you are just propelled into the movie. It's, you could say that it's, you'll call it unique form of exposition of any information you get which you have to be looking for. I think only through watching a movie in the critical sense that we were, could I have remembered any of this stuff? Because I tried really <laughs> hard not to look at like online things to find it, like to, to find exactly what was happening. And I don't know if after two or three watches, anybody would say for sure that they know exactly what's going on. But um, just pushing you into it so fast, you learn he's poisoned. He doesn't have that long. This guy seems bad. I guess he's going to probably go try to find him. Pretty late into the movie, we learn about Eve, his girlfriend. We learn about his decision not to kill Don Kim, uh, which was his original order from Don Carlito. Like These type of things are totally fine being in the background because the, the fun... We, I mean, we even start off in a first-person view. Speaking of Harper yeah. Henry, we start off in mm-hmm. a first-person. For a second there, I was like, uh-oh. Am, is, is this, <laughs> are, we, are we doing this the whole time? No, we aren't. And we, we meet him. He reacts violently to the FU DVD. Uh, listeners, DVDs were things we used to uh, purchase <laughs> and uh, stick into uh, a console to play movies. Uh, and uh, like that, that was actually pretty... Pretty interesting. And uh, any of the quick ways that they were able to get you exposition, I guess, should be lauded. Because eventually you get to the point where you're just following Chev. Some of the other relationships that he has, for instance, with that other gang, the Sin City Disciples, mean nothing at all. Towards mm-hmm. the to, like when you, when you recap it all, his relationship with that one gang leader who's smoking the black and mild, like, that doesn't matter. But that is how he learns that he... Needs to do stuff to keep his adrenaline up. So you're kind of learning along with him. And I think there's some creativity with that. That kind of um, like kind of backing away from the movie. I'm like that through that lens. I'm like, that's that's pretty cool how they did that. Though it might not have been completely coherent. This is the kind of movie that's like, I think we have enough to get there. Now, you did bring this up with like your Mr. Kung Fu. This movie made me think of The Raid from 2011. Mm -hmm. We didn't need any plot in that at all. All we needed to do was, like, oh, they're going in. <laughs> they're going in the building. It's a raid. Okay, we're fine. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, and th- this wasn't the place to say it, but I could have done with more fighting. I could have done with more kung fu. Sure. We had a lot of driving. We had some shootouts. But I could have done with more of Jason Statham doing the things that Jason Statham does best. But you can't 
put the transporter into this movie. Mm. Well, I think also the I, the fact that you're starting out with no exposition and you're you're starting out with the hook of the movie. It's like you know that the interesting thing about this movie is basically that it's speed, except for Jason Statham is the bus, right? Yeah, <laughs> and his heart, his heart is the bus, and uh, it's like you want as much screen time with that concept as possible to be able to showcase as a as a filmmaker all these fun things that you can do to get this heart rate up. You know, yeah. having sex in public with a girlfriend or, you know, fighting someone or riding the motorcycle, standing up, you know, crashing into the cafe or whatever. Um, all those things are interesting parts of that singular, like one line concept. It's, it's, heart rate can't slow down. It needs to keep the adrenaline pumping. So how do we do that? How do you fill 90 minutes with that doing that? And when it gets a little slow and it gets a little bit boring, that's when you give the audience a little exposition and say, okay, let's take a break from the high, <laughs> high paced, uh, fast paced stuff for a minute. This reached its natural lull. I got to slow the, slow the audience's heart rate down a little bit. Yeah. And you need then, to take away a little bit of it so that the audience wants more crank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta give them the first taste for free. <laughs> uh, Dustin, you mentioned the first person camera and your thought of, oh, we're not doing this the whole time, are we? I had the same thought when they first showed the uh, shot, the x-ray shot of the heart. It's like, oh, man, yeah. we're going to get a lot of these throughout the movie, aren't we? This is where we're going. Because they went back to that well two or three times pretty quickly. But wisely, they backed off. They backed off for quite some time. And then it's like, okay, there's a rule of three. We did this three times in five minutes. The audience has it. We will now just make him get a little sweaty or something or hunt mm -hmm. hunt for epinephrine. And with this movie, the director said they they tried to base it a lot on Grand Theft Auto, which I'm sure is making a lot of uh, the the moms back in that age very, very nervous and very upset if like this playing out on on screen because he he is he's getting his stars up. The cops are chasing him. He is getting into fights with everyone. He's hijacking other cars, throwing the cabbie out and screaming Al-Qaeda to the guy. It was not cool at all. No, that was, that was hard to watch. <laughs> like that poor cab driver. But there's, there's a lot of Grand Theft Auto type things happening in this movie. And to our point earlier, most of the protagonists in Grand Theft Auto are not good people. They, sure. they are a mixed bag to say the best of them. So we, we get him with a relationship with his girlfriend where he's, he's not really telling her what's going on for a while. Um, we, he's assaulting people at a hospital. He's throwing bedpans at people. Uh, so with oh, yeah. cameo cameo from uh dennis from it's always sunny in philadelphia too yes yeah. glenn howerton yeah yeah <laughs> yeah who, who, he, he administers that shock but i think he also has on his cart he has some meds so he's able to get him some epinephrine i think yeah he's he's where he does get the epipens yeah. yeah 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 i am not a doctor i i write code but i have never heard of epinephrine giving you uh, an erection uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I I wish I could. 
I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. That that was just that seemed like a throwaway teenage boy type joke sure. here. Like he runs seventeen some odd miles on epinephrine, which you know, I, I have allergies and I have never gained superpowers through an EpiPen, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think that's that's you hit the nail on the head there, is is that's kind of who this was marketed to. Oh definitely. Uh, it's it, certainly it's, not women. It's certainly no. not women. Um it and it's it's I, I guess I can't say certainly, but uh, there's a very particular uh, you know male demographic of that age that like this is everything they needed, uh, and and it would be sad to know for sure that there were some people that thought the Al Qaeda joke was funny, but th- there's also that like the the high speed the uh, there's a lot of nudity in this, and it's only to appeal to that audience. It certainly doesn't. Uh, add to much aside from um the idea that some of these people live in a life where this is normal behavior you can get that we've been doing movies that you can get that image to the audience without it this is this is uh i got a lot of um what was the movie uh, like the jamie kennedy plays like a hip-hop star or or like kicking it old school something like that yeah uh like very much like this is the stuff, it makes sense that I think I, I did see that this was originally written with Johnny Knoxville in mind to play the lead. Oh, wow, huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'd seen a different guest, but yeah, the... Yes, it makes sense who this is being, who this is appealing to. Sure. Yeah, the, the rooftop that you're talking about with the naked girls and the like clear balls, just yeah. just as art pieces. Yeah, you've got those. You've got the you've got the models who are hanging out at the pool of uh, Don Carlito. Uh, you have when you first meet Doctor Miles, uh, he's uh, getting uh, some mixture of uh, non erotic and erotic massage at the same time while his answering service picks up for him, like seemingly yeah. for no reason. Right. It, it, it just kind of puts you into a perhaps a little more debaucherous kind of world, a world where Chef Chelios would work. I think. There are different types of hitmen presented in movies. We are shown that Chev is, yeah, he's a, is he, we don't even know if he's a good hitman. All he knows is, all we know is that he's kind of in the grimy crime world, not the elite crime world, which I hadn't thought of until we started recording. Is that he's part of, they're not even big time. <laughs> they're just, right, yeah. <laughs> like, this it's is just the scummy. Kind of, yeah, just kind of scummy. And, and I think the nudity just kind of, is there to remind you that this is kind of a scummy place. Yeah, yeah. And um, on the fact of uh, who this is targeted towards, you said uh, it's definitely not targeted towards women. You guys left off something at the very beginning. Uh, this movie did win a couple of awards. Not Nothing that we would know, uh, glo- <laughs> Golden Globes or Oscars, but uh, in uh, 2006, the Women's Film Critics Circles Award awarded Jason Statham with the Most Offensive Male Character Award mm. for this movie. Okay. <laughs> Deserve and, uh, it. <laughs> yeah, and then also in the uh, in the World Stunt Awards, just Stuntman Awards, uh, Best Specialty Stunt was uh, awarded to the uh, motorcycle scene where he's doing the donuts on the motorcycle and then rides it standing up into the cafe. Was it the riding it, uh, or was it the cop holding on with the sort of metallic-based shoes with the sparks coming up? Because that was I that was cool too. Like, the- yeah, that was pretty slick. I like that. I don't know if it it specifically says the lead character drives in circles on a motorcycle to escape the police. After escaping, he stands up on the motorcycle yeah. and is thrown off into crashing into the cafe. But I I liked the 
it was yeah. almost insane that he just crashed into the cafe for no reason. <laughs> right. Well, I let, think his his heart rate was probably already pretty high standing up there in the uh, uh, OR scrubs. Let's be completely fair. We we said the movie isn't. <laughs> we said what the movie isn't, which is like appealing yeah. to the critical thinkers. Yeah. We're, and and so what the movie is is some awesome stunts and and <laughs> some incredible visual things what to enjoy. Uh, you know, you paid for the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it. Uh, <laughs> the movie that I was thinking of before with Jamie Kennedy was Malibu's Most Wanted. Like, just uh, like oh, kind of oh, like yes, yes. You know, sc- scummy kind of uh, culture. Anyway, we can move past it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of some of the some of the visuals in this movie, one of the things that stuck out to me because there's some things. Okay, we've seen this before. We've seen this done better. I have never seen a car sideways go up a mall escalator so so kudos to them for you know we we've covered this year of a driving inside of a house that makes absolutely no sense (laughs) so extending that to a mall is not that big of a deal but having the car go up the escalator stroke of brilliance there (laughs) well it's it's a wild surprise as well like uh pete you had said well, I don't know if he really needed to blast the motorcycle into the cafe, but it was such a shock. I mean, he's talking to Dr. Miles, and Dr. Miles goes, what are you doing? Driving a car through a mall. Right. Shots <laughs> chasing me. And then you, oh, you just did. Like, how fun is that? It reminds me, like, it's Blues Brothers-esque. Just like, surprise, here we are. Um, and that's a nice little cap on that driving scene. Because it's not really the end of the scene, but uh, to have it flip and land on the escalator as it still goes up, that's that's like its own little style of brilliance. Yeah, it's like uh, it's it's insane for the sake of being insane. Like, why why did this happen? Well, because we could and we wanted to see a car go up an escalator sideways. Yes. Yeah. And does it surprise you guys to know we we talked about the action? We talk about it being Grand Theft Auto inspired. This this movie has one explosion. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, like somewhere in the corner michael bay is crying himself to sleep Mm. of over what could have been do you want one explosion and no drone shots (laughs) after ambulance he's like spinning in his grave michael bay yeah yeah dustin you're the one that wanted more action do you need do you need explosions to fill that void in your heart or no no, no, I don't need more explosions. I like more explosions, but uh, I don't need them. I mean, I think about uh, the biggest surprise in terms of action this year for me had been Beverly Hills Cop, starting with an incredible car chase scene. But this movie needs more hand-to-hand Jason Statham showing off skills. Absolutely, yes. Uh, his intimidating presence and gun work is fine, but it's certainly not above average. What will I remember about Jason Statham aside from his his use in ensemble casts is that he's also, well, aside from being an Olympic diver, an incredible martial artist in which we essentially get none yeah. of that in this movie. Now, is it is it fine to say that like he spends some time dealing with Amy Smart uh, and, and this is like relationship acting as opposed mm-hmm. to blocking and martial arts fighting? Like, can we sub that out? Sure we can, if you want the movie to be taken more seriously. At the time I was watching this movie, I said to my roommate who was watching it with me, said, 
this movie excels at what it does because it doesn't take itself too seriously. And that, that doesn't mean you couldn't have had at least one henchman, somebody with some nunchucks that he has to disarm and throw yeah. down an elevator shaft. I don't care what it is. We just need to have some of it. And we were lacking, we, I, I feel. You could use the context of the story to the whole, um, <clears throat> like, he's shocking himself with a defibrillator. He could find a mobile unit. Henchman comes along. He shocks him in the head with a defibrillator or something. It's totally. like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a... a gear you loot you pick up along the way when you're playing an uh you know an rpg new weapon and then use that <laughs> for a fun thing it's one like of his a- new weapons he finds is the waffle iron that he burns his hand with yeah. uh imagine him <laughs> slinging that waffle iron around uh to, to fight yeah. off some of these henchmen coming towards eve's apartment imagine him actually fighting alex the brother alex instead of what we got out of that alleyway scene was uh we got pedro from uh napoleon dynamite get scared uh, and beat up yeah. by the big brother, the big dude. Yeah. There wasn't really much of a fight. He he chops his hand off with a cleaver and then shoots him with his own gun with his own hand. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And then and then calls his brother a homosexual slur um yeah. over the phone. Like like what do we get from that alleyway? Nothing great, unfortunately. Uh and that was such an opportunity for let's take three minutes to have something memorable come out of this that's memorable for the right reasons. The the memorable most memorable part of that was to me was when the brother has no hand now and he tries to punch Chev on the ground and he punches his stump into the Oof. ground. You're like, yeah. I know, Oof. made me cringe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the only other cringe cringiest uh, like missing appendage punch that I've ever seen was in a movie called Overlord. It's like a sci-fi Nazi movie. Um, where there's a kind of a Resident Evil type zombie that's a result of um, Nazi experimentation, and he's it's just like th- the two bones of his forearm are sticking out of his elbow, and he punches a hole through a wall with that, and it's like the bones shatter through mm-hmm. the wall, and you're like, whoa, I've never seen anything like that before. So, when when did that movie come out? Was it like a practical thing, or was it like CGI? Because that sounds mm-hmm. rad. What you're describing yeah, that. Well, have you have you seen the movie no, or heard I of the don't. movie? It's uh yeah it's called Overlord. I just watched it like a couple months ago for the first time, and it is something else. It's like um, it's like Wolfenstein meets uh, Resident Evil, and um, it's got um, what's his name, uh, Wyatt Russell in it, and a couple other people you would recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty really really good and like ultra gory. It's the first R rated, um, bad robot uh, movie. So it's produced by J J. That's Abram. right, bad robot J J. And, and I think. I think that part's practical because there's a lot of practical stuff in it. There's a lot of CGI too, but uh, yeah, that's that was pretty brutal. Yeah, and as as far as for this movie for practical, we've got Jason Statham doing his own stunts. Does he? Yeah. Does he get kudos from you, or do you take the Danny Trejo approach of, hey, I'm not going to go get myself injured. I'm not going to take away a guy's job and a paycheck. I'm going to let someone else do my own stunt, do stunts for me. So are you giving Jason kudos here? I'd say I'd say yes. I don't think that there's I don't think that there's enough like I, I don't know. I don't I don't agree that you're taking away someone's job. I think famous actors and actresses that are voicing animated characters are taking away jobs from like <laughs> voice actors. Good voice I don't actors. Like, yes. I don't like I don't like that um except for most of my favorite animated movies are f- prominently featuring <laughs> celebrity voice actors. Like the Lion King is like chock full of Jeremy Irons and, you know, uh, James Earl Jones and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Matthew Broderick. And so it's like, that that's great. But 
I still think that you should have voice actors do voice acting. And um, for stunts, it's so few and far between to get someone that you can do this sort of thing with. It makes the scenes feel so much better, too, when you don't have an, an obvious body double rolling and covering their face after a hit. It's like it just feels so much more real. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, all, all the stunts do feel very real. I love to see Statham on the back of that motorcycle when he crashes into that cafe, though. <laughs> I think there's maybe a small group of people. Like I just, it, while you asked that question, I thought to myself, "All right, huge Jackie Chan fan, huge Tom Cruise fan, huge Jason Statham fan. Like these are things I like about these people." But I don't know if there's a larger group aside from. I mean, I think we could maybe list up to ten right now, but a larger yeah. group of people that are known for doing their own stunts. Um, I, I I think with like with this movie probably made it easier. Uh, there were certain things that even weren't uh, violent in nature. He does a little vault off the wall, off of a hand railing off the wall in the hospital, yep. and yep. he does it. And he's wearing sneakers, but I said like that's that's really cool, and I know that he could do that. Like that's that's a great little addition. Um, sometimes they do some really subtle things well, whereas. Some of the opportunities of of other big things they can do, uh, I just I, I felt a little lacking. I think for me, it's the driving that's more impressive with Jason Statham. The the willingness to do the driving. Obviously, we have the Italian job as background here, but to be able to do that stuff more than more than just jump off a few things because I would do that and I would get hurt, but still. <laughs> To not to not crash the things, I think of uh, Quentin Tarantino telling Uma Thurman, "Go ahead and drive down the road, and you'll be fine." And then she gets in a huge accident and gets hurt. Or even even with Tom Cruise, I really admire him in his stunt work, but he winds up shutting down movies from injuring himself. Yeah, and, accidents and, and exactly. Yeah, I, not the big ones that you would think. It's like jumping a small gap in a roof is what just yeah. completely destroyed him, not rappelling down the Burj Khalifa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, of all, I guess if if something goes wrong with the rappelling, there's there's no more movie, there's no more Tom Cruise. But Yeah, right. That solves that problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm not with Danny Trejo here, I, I guess it, at Trejo's age, at this point, though, you really don't want a 70-year-old doing his own <laughs> stunts. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, more in the, it's really cool that you're willing to do this. And Statham himself, he didn't want to accept this role. He didn't think he was funny. And so he told the directors, you need to find someone else. I hadn't heard uh, the Johnny Knoxville pitch. What I had heard was Nick Cage. And he winds up doing something a little similar to this later on with uh, something Ghostland. I just saw it. It, it just came out Prisoners recently. Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yes. Yep. Which is not a great it's movie. Not, not, no, it's not good. It's all. not good. But I, I, <laughs> I hated that movie. I can see a Nick Cage in this type of role. But yeah, the directors just told him, hey, play it straight. Say your lines like a normal person, but let the dialogue be funny. And I th- kind of feel like that's Jason Statham's wheelhouse. I agree with that. His he was more or less funny in Snatch, and he wasn't saying anything particularly funny. It's just he's in funny situations and he plays the straight man, so it works. May I have some coke, 
please. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think he really does uh, excel there. That, that's, that's something I didn't think about because this movie was funnier than I thought it would be. And some of it is just, I think the, the, the Chinatown sex scene was more humorous than sensual by a long shot. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it keeps building. You have little kids high-fiving each other. You have, like, the astonished faces of old ladies. You have the bus of, like, high school uh, Asian girls who yes. then go on to, like, one of them is being interviewed about it. Even even uh, Amy Smart's language uh, or lines in that are pretty good uh, in terms of what what's going on. Then St- Statham is asked, and I guess this is kudos I wasn't expecting to give to him. Statham is asked to do a lot of, like, facial acting not of just pain, your heart is stopping, but also confusion. Mm-hmm. Like he can't really control his body fully. And he does a lot of that. He's, he's good at looking confused. Though. <laughs> <laughs> he's, every role he's got, he's looks confused. Yeah. Um, but in that scene in particular, uh, so I think he he was put in a position to never take away from the comedy of the scene and, and often through, um, through a better job than I expected, uh, add to the humor of the scene. I kind of want to address right before that scene because there was something that really bothered me and I had no idea. Well, there are other things during that scene that bother me, but Amy Smart is depicted with the hiccups. And I was like, why, why did you Uh make this directorial decision? Well, it turns out they're just incredibly lazy. She literally had the hiccups during their scenes and nobody called cut and they just kept going. (laughs) So I, I, I I, I read that trivia bit too, but I liked, I liked that for her character because I, I'm going to say she was probably my favorite character. (laughs) Um, I like her like almost completely unawareness of her. She just kind of like waltzing through life and everything seems to be like insane happening in the back. He's literally like murdering a guy and throwing him in the pool right behind her when she drops her purse. Yeah. And she's completely oblivious to it. Doesn't hear this slamming of the gate on this guy's head. But there's the the scene when they're he's being chased with her down the like the outdoor um, like fire escape ladder, and there's someone shooting at them from the top. And she doesn't even seem like she's phased at all. She's just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I I, I read that whole hiccuping thing just as kind of like this is serious and she's giggling through the entire thing. And she's just cause she has the hiccups and it's like, how, how dumb is that? Well, he is rummaging through her apartment looking for the, some, a way to hurt himself and make himself feel alive. And she is just solely concerned about her microwave clock being changed to the correct time. Yeah. So yeah, that, that does lend a little bit and they, they allude to it. They show the bong in the background of her. They allude to the fact that she's kind of a burnout that she's, yeah. she's not all, all there but she's still during the scene that dustin's talking about i guess we'll get into this a little bit she punches jason statham this is a a very sean connery no means yes type scene like Mm -hmm. it's an extreme of hey stop grabbing my breasts this is not okay it becomes super rapey in 2022 you're not going to have a bunch of bystanders cheering this on and like taking pictures so this this is something in I don't even think it would have worked in 2006 it, it, where it, it more has to be he has to be played as the villain if if this is happening and I mean he's a hitman so by default he's, he's the villain yeah. so, so I mean, it makes sense but you're supposed to your ta- the camera's attached to them so he's like this anti-hero and you want to root for Chev but you're like okay first he throw the poor Middle Eastern dude out and say Al-Qaeda 
and just leave, throw them mm-hmm. to the wolves, and then you rape your girlfriend, which is raped. I don't doesn't matter right. if you're married or dating or not, and and not even that in public, right? In yeah. pub on the ground, on the filthy ground. There's ways to set this up of like some form of exposition earlier, and again, exposition is not this movie's strong point, but to say, <laughs> you know, you've always wanted to have sex in public, and she's like, now, and then just change the tone instead of no, yes. and physical hitting and screaming, and then having it transform into, well, it's okay, because she liked it. Like, this is not, that's not a great message. Yes. It could, it could have used, um, like, um, you know, they have those, uh, oh, I bought, I bought these, uh, you know, vibrating panties at the store. You right, know? sure. I, mean, I wore them out. Oh, I totally forgot. <laughs> you know, all the, the, the remotes in my purse and could have been any form of that that just made, didn't make it an outright rape. Yeah, pair that with yakety sex. And this is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's like, uh, I, there's another aspect to that, which is a little earlier. And tell me if you remember this, because I, I did only see the movie once, but I believe... He raises his hand to her. She flinches. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she says, sorry. Yep. This is bad, uh, bad, bad, y'all. Uh, and yeah. the movie was made. And, I know. and no it's... one said, don't do that. And so <laughs> so this, is, this is where, uh, I mean, it, kudos to our collectively, our restraint before the break to say, how does this movie hold up? And we're like, oh, you know, some things kind of didn't. But like that's it. That was rough to watch, and uh, so it was also like, and I'm, I, it didn't actually cast like a shadow over the movie. I, we were still moving too fast to sit down and sit in any of these emotions. And, and some of her lines during that outdoor sex scene. I mean, she's uh, saying something about like, uh, oh, you, you like that? Um, you know, you can't get it up. It's like she's she's fighting back verbally in a way which is supposed yeah. to be uh, playful and teasing a bit. It says, for a scene that had an intention, perhaps they got it across as best as that scene as written could have been. But yeah. as I'm watching the movie, I'm taking notes. I go, they messed it up. Because having yeah. sex needed in part of the arc of getting him from poisoned to survival is brilliant and could have been fun. And I think they kind of messed it up. Yeah, and I I feel like they try and give her a little bit of revenge very shortly afterwards by with the car scene and she is giving him oral pleasure. I've got to be careful because we are a PG podcast. This is not a PG movie, (laughs) but she stops and I I, driving while doing that is a bad idea. But he's like, what the heck? And she goes, so you can fall asleep like you always do? I don't think so. So we're... (laughs) We're meant to laugh at Chev's yeah. misfortune there after another scene where she is pretty much against her will. So then she has the power here. But yeah, I, I feel like that's what they were doing with that scene because it really wasn't necessary. We just had the sex scene. But yeah, it, it does not. It it probably didn't hold up to scrutiny in 2006, as Pete's mentioned, most despicable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think that. I, I like to read on, on like movies that have been around a while. I like to go on Letterboxd and read some of these top reviews. And w- one of them essentially says, this is the best and worst film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there are some really fun things about it. And then there's some stuff they're like, come on, Chev, I want to like you, man. Go yeah. rape your girlfriend like that. I think you, you, you're, you're better off with a character who is perhaps 
written and known to the audience as like an abuser. It, like, like you're, it's better off that you know that and like maybe that's the not ideal form. You're trying to use a philosophical term. Like that's that's the one thing you know about that character. Sure. That character is more palatable than the the so far gray leaning towards black uh, like hero who's not a hero, not even really an anti-hero, just a character that you're following. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of slowly, an hour into the movie, becomes an aspect of him. It would get to the point where now here is the thing, 16 years later, which is crazy to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a crank two that exists. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, kind of hope that this would be following someone else. Because Chev, yeah. Yeah. he ain't it. No. Yeah, maybe his personality got shocked out of him when he fell out of that plane like Dave that. Chappelle and Connor. <laughs> yeah. His heart is swapped out for a mechanical one, if you need to know, and he has only one hour to live. And in that one, it's only electricity. It's not adrenaline. He has to shock himself, hence the name, Crank High Voltage. Right, right. <laughs> um, speaking of the um, the history of the actual like film creators... It, the directors are credited as Neveldine and Taylor. It's Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor. And they worked on this. This was their first movie. So part of it, you, I, I want to say, well, well done you. First feature-length movie, first directing credits for both of these guys. They work as a team, kind of like Daniels or, uh, you know, any number of brother directing Cohen's, duos. Yeah. yeah and, and, um, but this is their first one. And it's like, uh, I can see the roughness. It feels like a, like two like two film school students that are really annoying that are constantly chugging <laughs> Rockstar and Monster Energy Drink between classes and smoking cigarettes, and they make this movie, and here it is. The, their follow-up to that was obviously Crank High Voltage, but then the same year that that was released was Gamer, and I love Gamer. I thought that was great. Yes, but these these guys, when I look through, because they haven't done a movie since 2011, they mm-hmm. they immediately got on my list of, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> they, they, they did i haven't seen pathology so 2008's pathology they did do gamer they did jonah hex which a pox on their household for that but oh these are the right they wrote for that they, did, they were supposed or one of them was supposed to direct they ended up falling out with warner brothers I think. Oh, they, they, oh, they, they were involved up to a point and then they either were axed or walked away from it mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, but, go go ahead, Chad. I was gonna say it gets worse with Ghost Rider <laughs> from from Jonah Hex. How do you go? Where do you get worse from here? 2011's Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. So they finally get Nick Cage in their movie. Here you go, yeah. Nick Cage's shining moment. Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Like they have no more career after you. You bowl still gets to make movies occasionally. These guys, it's <laughs> like you make Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, you're done. To to a very young person, to a teenager, hell, even someone in their early twenties, five years seems like a drop in the bucket. Or five years seems like a long time. Sure. But really, yeah. In reality, five years isn't that long. And so you think of these guys existed and made movies for five years and they made an impact a little bit. Then they rightfully yeah. went away. I will say they're trying to make their comeback. They are still trying to get Crank 3 made. I don't know how Crank what? 2 ends, but I know Jason Statham has said he's he's down for it. So, <laughs> Crank 3, the necromancer's tome. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to he's going to uh, uh like blow up a bus full of orphans just to make him even that la- less likable. Right. Crank 3, Spirit <laughs> of Vengeance. 
It's going to be a wild crossover. All right. So we, we've talked about this is set in the early 2000s. Location, I, d- I don't think is particularly important as far as... I think it's Los Angeles. Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. But large urban city is all we really needed yeah. here just for somewhere for chaos. I think it's important to say that, uh, and I didn't, I didn't think about this until we started talking about it, but if this is this has got to be the the hyper local crime scene because uh, and and there's a bit of opulence they show not that much uh, you would expect someone to be running LA to be much more untouchable this is we're talking about like circles of crime closer to the street gang than we are close yeah. like to the yakuza yeah yeah, for yeah, sure. There's no kingpin here. This is just a guy with a rooftop pool is your your mob boss. <laughs> low stake, yeah, it's like low stakes mob mob boss. Right. Right. And you kind of know when he's getting advertised blasted all over the TV of like this guy, the everyone's hunting for him. I think I knew we weren't getting a happy ending, although we do get those two blinks, <laughs> the nostril flare, and the uh, the two heartbeats at the end. But I'm sitting there thinking, there's no there's no way out of this. Like you can't explain the amount of people he's killed, assaulted, stolen from, and otherwise, and have this work out for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. As aside from. You know, location and things like that. Anything stand out wardrobe or costume wise? Mm, I, I think Dwight Yoakam stuck out to me as an interesting side character. <laughs> um, I like him in everything he's in. I've only seen him in three or four things, but uh, like he's one of the more scummy parts of uh, Sling, <laughs> yeah. Sling Blade, you know? Right. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, who is that? Mm-hmm. Who is that? I, I know that face. Who is that weird guy with the wafy comb over yeah. and uh yeah he, he nails that part and i don't i don't really know what relation he is to him besides he's like maybe his handler or something like that or some doctor that he knows yeah he's a mafia doctor it, it's okay oh, he's the mob mm-hmm. doctor okay i figured there was a, a little bit more of a complex relationship that they just give us enough of it which i i appreciated that it felt like their relationship was lived in because he's very aloof mm-hmm. To all of the happenings and he's just like yeah man you gotta get this figured out or you're gonna die <laughs> you got the beijing cocktail i don't know what to tell you <laughs> his his absence from the city is important to increase the pace or at least give us like a three-quarter mile mark or a three-quarter race mark you know 20 miles into mm-hmm. the marathon because he tells you i'll be back in an hour like so his getting back to the city is a play, like is a milestone for Chev to hit, and he's kind of the ticking clock. Then he helps with that, um, and that's when mm-hmm. he, you know, he. I believe Chev asks, like, Doctor Miles says, "Hey, I can. You're gonna go into a coma. I can make you. I can, you know, I can give you some drugs to make you feel happy. I, I can, or just to, to ease your pain until you're. That's the best I can do for you. And you know, Chev says, "Give me an hour." So you're right. It's it's we're written into we're painted into a corner here. There's there's real no way out uh, unless you replace your heart with a metallic one that needs energy, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> like so, so I liked our pacing. Still, I I know I'm I'm sounding as if I'm describing all the things that I was left wanting from this movie, but I still think the pace like we're we're on a roller coaster and it does have to end. Um and and 
it does with uh, falling out of a helicopter. Yeah. And and Dustin, you said he's above average or right around average with his guns and hand-to-hand skills. I will criticize him for this. He's using a Springfield XD, that's Chev's gun, but the chamber indicator shows that there's no rounds in it. And it the cocked indicator, the striker's down. So not only are there no rounds, but it can't be fired. So yeah. throughout the entire movie, that's what we got. And I understand gun safety, especially in the wake of Alec Baldwin. Mm. But hey, like you can get a prop gun where the hammer is not down. You can get a prop gun that shows <laughs> that it's loaded, air quotes. And so that's a... I don't know how many people, because this is obviously marketed to teenage boys, how many teenage boys are that familiar with that type of gun. But like, if you're watching it and just going, it's not loaded and you can't fire it, that's going to Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how many people would would uh, know that. Are you, are you a gun guy? I was born in West Virginia, so I... <laughs> oh, Mountain Mama. I, I know, I'm not a gun guy, but I know about them. Yeah. I, I, I've done... It's been a lot of uh, inner work to stop counting the amount of bullets shot. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Um, but like, that I gun noticed... holds eight, sir, not <laughs> 80. <laughs> right. And like, I've seen a mag of that size that could hold 15, but I mean, I counted 17. I've stopped doing that long, long ago. <laughs> but I still see occasionally when like someone's holding up a gun where like the slide is permanently back because it's not permanently back, but. Clearly, clearly they're out and it's, it's fine for me now. Like that, I, I, I used to, that used to be something that would like would detract from a movie, but that's fine with me now. But, um, the, the pace is greater than like, like the, how do I say this? The movie is not greater than the sum of its parts. It's, it's, it's yeah. different. The, the pacing yeah. is its own special thing and the mm-hmm. action sequences in it are kind of like more part of the pacing and then the pace is part of the action. Yeah. It's a snake eating its tail. <laughs> and uh, as far as guns go, like I don't know anything about them. I I have some like family heirlooms that I've, I've I have shot but I've not in years. But the thing that gets under gets in my under my skin and gets in my craw is um, mistakes with cars. I'm a car guy. I, I run a body shop by by day. Mm. And, um, so I know a lot about cars and I hate when people try to spit out specifics about a car and that are completely (laughs) wrong, absolutely not even close or chase scenes that are not possible. Like as much as I love drive, there's a whole scene where he's driving in reverse at about 80 miles. (laughs) Never be not possible. Cannot do it. Your gearbox could not handle that in the one single gear you have in reverse. So burning out in gravel and it makes the burnout sound from concrete hate that <laughs> yeah car coming to a stop and you hear this brake squealing it's like is it not an, an you know an old school piece of crap farm truck this is a you know chrysler 300 it's not going to have squeaky brakes you know I, I none of that seemed off to me All, everything that happened with the car seemed like okay that's that's pretty legit and even the, even the motorcycle stunt was pretty yeah. cool. There's no scene where he's driving neck and neck and suddenly remembers to shift to gain that extra 20 miles per hour instantly. Yeah, better better hit, better push all the way down on the gas pedal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do want to bring up really quickly. Just, I thought there was some cool, this was, um, you know, maybe it was a, like a, a choice for me to say like, all right, Neville Dean and Taylor, like, cool. Like this was, this maybe was this was your decision the the gas pedal cam 
the, the all the unique camera angles for this movie mm-hmm. that is going to mm-hmm. be i think something i remember about it forever is they took risks and went way 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 too far like i, I don't I, I was glad we limited the amount of interior heart animated shots i was glad mm-hmm. we didn't have too many of those but we had certain scenes that there was a scene where his friend uh, I, I, and what what is his name in the movie? So so yeah. So let me talk about that briefly. That is a Cantonese slur for a homosexual. So Real. that's why they named him that, really which is very frustrating. Movie. But yes, his name is Kalo in the movie. So, yeah. So Efren Kalo character Kalo is his, is his name. That's his. That's a slur in Cantonese. Yes. Yep. It literally means oh homosexual, and that was clearly what they were going for with the character too. So yeah. Wow. So he. he He's talking to Chev, I think, on the phone, and you see his side of the conversation uh, happening in the side view mirror of the car. Do you guys pick that up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's another time where something like that is happening. I think he's talking to Doctor Miles, and the other side of the phone conversation is like projected up on the wall when he's running mm-hmm. like, in these back uh, hallways. The frenetic camera, the, the interesting places that they they have the shot from. It would if it were in another movie that was taking itself more seriously. I would say, Ugh, don't like that. Uh, but then you'd also have you know a luggage cart roll through, and that is the cut luggage cart cut as as they move to the next scene. They went all in, and they they obviously they slow down as the movie goes forward. They don't have as many in the last thirty minutes, but they don't give up on it. They keep showing you like, hey, we we're gonna do things in a wild way, and they keep doing it. And I think they deserve some credit for sticking with it. Even though it might not be uh, A plus gold star uh, filmmaking, I'm glad that they made the decision to stick with the style. Right. Knowing this is their first movie to take risks like that is it's it's bold, but you can definitely see parts of it that okay, yeah, this is their first movie. There's things that aren't necessary. Like at one point, they pan to an interviewer who doesn't have any lines. And they're just standing there with a microphone up to their face. And that's the scene. And it lingers there for a solid 10 seconds before going back to probably Jason Statham. I don't remember where it cut. It was like, (laughs) fellas, you know, this, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, sure. Surely there was some dialogue somewhere. Like we're going somewhere with this, right? Nope. Nope, just silent person. Or turtles having sex in the background of your bathroom. Right, that's right. Like, we're going to do something with that, right? Nope, nope. (laughs) I I think our our buddy uh, Ricky Verona, like the the kind of double-crossing guy, uh, Mm -hmm. he downs his champagne flute twice in that last scene because they just kind of, they just went for it. And in going for it, they forgot to do some. Uh, quality control, so they right. kind of left stuff in. Yeah, continuity person was absent that yeah. day. Sure. Yeah, or it just didn't care. Same with the hiccups. They're yeah. like, yeah, she has hiccups. Just keep her on. Whatever. Yeah. It'll be weird. That's called a uh, production value. Right. Yeah. This is this could be <laughs> like a real... the train in Super Eight. Right. And no, no action movie is really complete without the soundtrack. And Pete, we'll start with you. We have Jefferson Starship. We have Bee Gees covers. We have an achy, breaky heart cover mixed with metal all over this movie. Yeah. What does the soundtrack do for you? 
Well, actually, it's funny you say that. Before we jumped on this Skype call, I was listening to this soundtrack on Spotify in my headphones just to set the tone for this recording. And, uh, yeah, it made me want to, like, um, go grab a Red Bull and, you know, snort some crank and all that stuff. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was, it was. I mean, we talked, uh, before we started rolling, we talked a little bit about new Metal, uh, too. It's like, this is, like, peak bro rock. It's like all the craziest high energy stuff and then mixed with mashups of other things like the Acre Breaker Heart thing. And it was, uh, it's something. It's it's definitely not something I would uh, listen to on like my evening walk where I walk my dog. But uh, <laughs> maybe if I was. If you're, um, if, yeah, if you're, if you're about to hit the squat rack, you need to get hype. Sure. I could yeah, listen, exactly. I could listen to this. I, can, I could see this, play, this having a place. Yeah, there it's it's made for high energy and it does what it's supposed to do. And the actual soundtrack, if you look it up on Spotify, has a ton of like single lines, yeah, dialogue, vocal, vocal lines. Yeah, weird weird dialogue from. I'm not a huge fan of when they, people do that in on soundtracks, but uh, yeah, it definitely works for the movie. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. This I didn't want the achy breaky heart, not only because it's contrived, but so I. I grew up, my grandfather had a 64 Chevy Impala. He brought me to a lot of car shows and car shows like the oldies. And Achy Breaky Heart was very, very big in the 90s when I was going to these things. So oh, so wow. that is just burned into my skull. And I never want to hear that song again. This wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus. This was actually probably because they didn't, they had $12 million. They can't afford Billy Ray Cyrus, which is a phrase I wouldn't think you could say. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, they get a cover of it. Like, not only is this contrived, but I hate the song. Hey, the uh, the the final note though of the chorus, you might blow up and kill this yes. man. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's so it's so on the nose. It didn't match the the style. It it was literally about someone whose heart was going to kill him. Like it it had its purpose. For yeah, movie. I I need to know the, our director's ages. I'm just lazy and didn't look this up. But I I get the feeling they're towards the twenties, twenties or maybe thirties end of the scale, and not. 50, 60 year old directors getting their start. Uh, 20, 27 when they made yeah. this. So probably 26 when it was actually. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, nailed it. Because yeah. again, when I was making these, I would make these movies for high school and college classes. And I thought it was peak brilliance to put a song that matched the action in the scene or told right. you what we were doing. I'm right. like, this is yeah. brilliant. It's not. Hey, they're counting money. Let's play money by right. Floyd. I, that is exactly what I would do. Yes. So <laughs> I like the metal. I I want all of that. I, we talked about Godsmack. I kind of want that type of music poured into this as well. You, yes. You've got like the Navy used Godsmack for a while. And I, I want that of just yeah. chugging the monsters and the Red Bulls. Let's get some system of a down in here. Right. Chop suey, chop suey would be amazing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think there's there's an entire like there's you could say <laughs> you could ask Google uh, <laughs> songs like the crank soundtrack, and you'd have a lot of that same type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that that was not exactly award winning soundtrack. What we are going to do is we're going to hand out some awards. It's my favorite time of the show. So are you guys ready to hand out movie superlatives for crank? Oh yeah. 
You guys, you guys lead it off. I'll follow a movie you. that received no positive awards, but we're going to change that tonight. So, Pete, we'll start with you. Our MVP. No, don't start with him. He's going to follow our lead. Oh, yep. I want, I want to hear yours right. first. I want to sit the right. tone. Yeah, I, w- I just did a very bad... I heard it, and I can't help myself <laughs> of being a bad host. I am a bad host. Dustin, we'll start with you. MVP of the movie Crank. Who you got? I know I mentioned them earlier that they rightfully had disappeared from the film scene, but I'm going to say that Neville Dean and Taylor, the combo, the writer-director... They're the MVP. They had a vision for what this should be, uh, and they executed. And I could make fun of them for a ghostwriter film. You should. Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> you it would make fun. It, it, it would make sense uh, for them to have like been involved with Hardcore Henry. It was so similar. Uh, had it been an American mm-hmm. film and not a Russian film, maybe they would have been involved. But they'll always have Crank and its place <laughs> in American cinema. And for that, I'm gonna give them like in like just a moment in time. It's what they have. The little MVP from Dustin. I I feel the same way about this with you and Pete. We will always have Crank, no matter what the future <laughs> yeah. brings, no matter what the horrible headlines. We will always have Crank. Yeah, remember Crank. Forget guys? forget Bogart. Yeah, forget Bogart and Casablanca and Paris. We will always have Crank. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, for me, I I went with Jason Statham. I think the one-liners and the mannerisms are fantastic, and this is a dumb movie. Let's face it. We haven't really just said it out loud. I'm going to say the quiet (laughs) part out loud. It's a dumb movie, but it's made fun by Jason Statham, so that's my pick. Pete? I'm going to have to go go also with Jason Statham. I think the, uh, the vision of the movie from Neville Dean and Taylor it's like it's admirable and it's like for a first feature it's it's cool but in retrospect there's so much problematic stuff about this that it just made me it made me feel gross watching it and uh you know (laughs) I'm okay I'm okay with like stuff of the era being of the era but at some point it's like you know that it's gross to have your lead protagonist rape his girlfriend in public that's that's just that's that's not an era thing. That's just you being a you know jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I can't I can't give the MVP crown. I can't give the Stanley Cup to uh, or uh, the Heisman to um, ne- to Neville Dean Taylor. Taylor. It's, it's yeah. It's got to go to Jason Statham, and he's he's very charismatic. He does play a grimy, uh, you know, more or less. He, he he morphs into an antihero once he reveals that he didn't do the double cross on the or he did a double cross with the other person. It's like. I still am like, oh, cool, good for him. Wait a second, that's a bad guy too. I don't. Know, I guess I'm rooting for all bad guys. I don't know. So um, without him, he's the face of the Crank fan franchise. And I'm actually am gonna watch uh, Crank High Voltage um, later on to see if it's better. There you go. That's high praise. Willing to continue with the Crank franchise. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> okay, Dustin, your best supporting actor. I liked a lot of the smaller roles. In this character, think or in this movie, but uh, I'm going to go with Amy Smart as Eve. Okay. Uh, I I thought she played a an airhead pretty well. We we did talk about how you know she's going here and there, and just seems like a, I think you said burnout. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of her heyday. Like 2002 to 2006 was like when we knew who Amy Smart was. And I know she's still active, but like this was like big time for her. So uh, yeah, Amy Smart for me. Yeah, she disappears from 
movies for quite a while. She's in a new TV series, uh, and that's where she's mostly been. But Rat Race was huge for that's her, right. too. So, yeah. Yeah, which we covered. For me, I went with Dwight Yoakam. I I liked the Doctor role a lot. I liked how it was just kind of another day for him. Yep, you got injected with a deadly poison that'll kill you <laughs> if your heart... It's going to slow down your heart. Yep, whatever. And he's just calmly talking him through everything. You need epinephrine. You need this. Here's how much to take. And, I mean, mob bosses... This seemed like a known thing that was going across whatever small area of Los Angeles or wherever this was. Like, they're just injecting themselves with this Beijing cocktail enough that he's just like, yep, (laughs) same stuff, different day. Pete, who do you have for your best supporting? For my best supporting, I'm I'm also going to go with Chad. It's your your pick with uh, Dwight Yoakam. He, he didn't have enough screen time for, for my liking. I would have liked to see more. I don't think it would have fit for the movie, but I just like seeing him on screen. And he he plays almost like this uh, um, this scummy, almost like a Peter Stormare type of character mm. with a little less scum, you know? <laughs> he's, a, he's more likable. And it's American like the scum. The opening shot of him. Yeah, yeah, he's a... Uh, yeah, I, I, I really dug his character, and like it's, like you said, he's um, he's aloof. He's just kind of like, well, yeah, like, what are you going to do? It's, right? <laughs> yeah, better better you than me, you know? He kind of ta- <laughs> like does like a once-over of, uh, I have to assume, a woman passing him when he's on the payphone. And, yeah. and that's kind of like solidifies, like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of guy you are. It works. Right? <laughs> well, we get this with, we get the man with a golden gun pigeon take. There's a woman that walks by in a thong, and the pigeon checks her out, and we get the pigeon's heartbeat. That's right. It's like, did we not learn our lesson <laughs> from Man with a Golden Gun that is okay. panned for, like, 40 years? Come on. Learn this lesson. No pigeon takes. But yes. Yeah, we, we definitely get that. Okay, this guy's Robert Kraft with the rub and tug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I take the Patriot shot now? Hidden Jim. Dustin, who is our underappreciated minor caster element in Crank? I was going to shout out Glenn Howerton, uh, but I'm going to skip over it to say that it's underappreciated like minor cast or elements. And normally I do a cast member. So the element for me here is this. As they're leaving Eve's apartment, the phone rings. And all Chev is trying to do is get Eve out of there. So what does she do? Instead of letting the machine get it like she has all morning... She goes back inside to get the phone. Now, fellas, <laughs> wouldn't that drive you crazy? <laughs> Very nice. I really, I could, you mentioned Glenn Howerton. I could see the cast of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, the gang does crank. <laughs> right. They already did yeah, Birdman. that's right. The gang did Birdman. They've done some other thematic type shows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they've just taken too much epinephrine or whatever, and they are just screaming, I am alive. The gang does the limitless drug. Yes. (laughs) For me, I couldn't find this guy's name, so apologies. I thought he did a great job. There's a drug dealer in the bathroom that Jason Statham approaches at first. He's trying to get cocaine. And this guy is cool as a cucumber. He is just trying to talk the situation through. He's like, you need medicinal cocaine? And then all the other guys, it's 
it's a black bar, so they've, they've got guns to Jason Statham, and he's trying to talk all of them down from this crazy white guy trying to get himself shot. He handles it like a pro. He was hilarious. I love that guy. Uh, I wish I knew his name. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know who that, I, I remember that scene, but I can't remember. I mean, I'm scrolling through the, the cast list right now and I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say my, uh, my best hidden gem of the movie is a, a very small cameo from Chester Bennington from yes. uh, Lincoln Park playing a tweaker mm-hmm. in the, in the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The nasal thing. spray, man. Yeah, get that nasal spray, man. It's got enough epi in it. You should take enough of it. And it's like that part in itself didn't shine particularly but i was like oh hey that's chester i think i'm pretty sure that's the guy from lincoln park and then he spawned uh chet to chev to have um for like the next 30 minutes of runtime in the movie he's constantly snorting this nasal spray which i thought was hilarious (laughs) i didn't didn't know that was chester that's that's such a great pick yeah (laughs) yeah i mean if you if you need to get high quickly find the tweakers don't he goes to the pharmacy so that's bad advice. Don't listen to that advice. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Recast in the movie Crank. We had some alternative casting in the beginning, but Dustin, who are you recasting here? Get Benicio Del Toro as Don Carlito, and let's call it a day. Yes. I found both mob bosses to be bland. Uh, I could, mm-hmm. I'd love to see a little eccentricity from either of them. They, they did not jump off the paper. So let's 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 put a little pep in for their step. Antonio Banderas would be another good one there. Yeah, I I agree. Carlito definitely needed to be. No, see, I I think Antonio Banderas is in one to two tiers above in the crime scene. Like, okay. like these guys in this movie can't get into the club that Antonio Banderas runs. You know what I'm saying? Mm, interesting. All right, all right. But I we have tiers here. Yeah, same wavelength, but just different tiers for me i i kind of went after amy smart i like her in movies i wish she were in more but i i thought this was a weird role for her i didn't think she quite fit and i had to double check my dates because unfortunately we lost her in 2009 but in 2006 britney murphy was still around and i want britney murphy in kind of a burnout druggy action movie here i think she can she can get down in the grime better than what I picture Amy Smart. Yeah, she would play. Yeah, she play more of a tweaker character. Like she would lean into the burnout a yeah. lot more than Amy Smart. Yeah, I think I think eyeliner drips off of Brittany Murphy's face better than Amy Smart's. <laughs> then yeah. again, she might she might be, like have it tattooed on. Pete, who's your recast? Uh, my recast is going to be Verona, the low level um, thug who ends up killing Carlito. And I think he should be subbed out for the actor Raymond Cruz, who most people would know as Tuco Salamanca from Tuco. Breaking Bad. Mm, yeah. Okay. Ooh, tight, tight, tight. Purple, white, purple, pink, blue. I don't care. Just bring me more of this. Mm-hmm. He's he's that guy, and he's he's got that same kind of high energy that Verona had in the in the movie. But for my money, I've never I don't have a better character actor that plays that part right. He's also one of the goons in Training Day. That's in that really tense kitchen scene when Denzel just abandons Ethan Hawke in the kitchen. Yeah, that's definitely an actor upgrade. And yeah, yeah, that would be. I like the the job how Jose Pablo Cantillo did as Verona, but yeah, yeah, that's. I'll take the upgrade there. 
Yeah. Dustin, very cinematic movie. Your best <laughs> shot. And Crank, you've actually been praising it. So. Uh, well, I'll say uh, there's, a, there's a shot before the rooftop shootout where he's walking coolly down the sidewalk in slow motion, which thematically shouldn't work because he, he's still... I know that he's just got the drugs like put into his system. Sure. Like that's it, the, the theme of the, the timing doesn't work really there. But I watched this movie with my roommate who was 23. Mm-hmm. He was so hype about that shot. He was like, wouldn't this be badass to have a poster on the wall, bro? And I was like... <laughs> he's the target audience. You took the words out of <laughs> That's exactly what this is. This is like the people, like when me and Russell lived together and like our, our friends on our floor had like Boondock Saints posters. That's exactly yeah. what this is. And that was like the poster. To him, this is a five-star movie. And I wish mm-hmm. I could watch this movie through his eyes. But I'm glad that I have my own. That's the best shot because it's exactly what it was Is that when he's in... He's in the like uh, hospital gown. No, too? this is the one where he's in like the brown shirt with the sport coat. It's right before going up to the rooftop shootout. It's kind of his, yeah. his okay. final outfit of the of the movie. Further yeah. on, but after after he's lot, he's reclothed himself. Yeah, after he's 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 reclothed and he's met with Doctor Miles, and they put like that yeah. that like insulin pump on him or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had that weird elevator hallucination. That's right. Scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. For me, it's I. I liked. We mentioned the stunt of the donuts with the bike and the cops hanging off of it. I actually thought the camera work was really good here because it's this low angle shot. It would have been hard to capture, and and clearly there was some recognition for the stunt itself. So I, I thought it was a cool shot. That is a cool That's shot. It's my best shot. Pete? Nice. Um, I don't I don't have any, like, one particular... There's a lot of very interesting shots in this. Nothing that stuck out to me, like, fully that grabbed me. But I think my favorite um, small sequence was the uh, hospital hallway uh, shootout. Mm. Um, and it's like, it wasn't 100% believable. Maybe Chev didn't want to kill those cops because he absolutely could have. They were doing terrible at like hiding themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, but the the whole back and forth where he's kind of got Glenn Howerton as a hostage and you know trying he's holding off to try to get the epi epipens and and then get into the into the flip over into the um, elevator. There was a lot of interesting footwork that Statham was doing there, and the camera was like tied to him the whole time. So I like that. Very good. Yeah, I I wanted. Dustin mentioned I wanted some like daredevil type hallway scene with that hospital going on. It had some kung fu bouncing off walls, throwing more stuff, whatever it was. But yeah, that was that was a tight shot. That was good. Uh, best scene, Dustin. Driving through the mall on the phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that that scene is giving you exposition and explaining why these why he has to do what he has to do. I mean, you should have known already had you watched the trailer, like back in 2005, 2006. You should have known what the movie was about. But at least the movie does tell you, right? So we get that. Plus, I just thought, what a wild surprise to immediately put all these people in danger, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, and, it ends, <laughs> and it ends with uh, with the sideways car on the escalator so seamlessly going up still. Like it was right. so well done. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's the mall car chase. 
Well, you took mine and all of my reasons. There we go. It's just, <laughs> I think I just enjoy the the ironic situation of driving through a mall and, and he's getting a little amped up, but the doctor's so calm, that juxtaposition we get of just, you're doing what? Okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Sounds good. I'm in a meeting. I'll call you back. <laughs> right. Yeah, so everything about that was ridiculous. That is the image of Crank that I'll just have is here's all the ridiculous ideas we can throw in one scene together and we're going to put it in a phone call too. Why not? Pete, what is your best scene? Um, This may surprise you, but the scene that uh, after Chev has escape the hospital and he's on the street and he assimilates into the crowd of people watching the police sketch artist <laughs> on the news yeah, <laughs> talk about this maniac that's running about the city and the one guy looks over at him sees it's him then looks down and sees his giant erection and that for me was like a perfect allegory for the movie it was like this guy's insane you're looking at him and not only that it's also a sexual assault ready to wow. happen at any moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, I did not take that as an implicit threat, but I guess, yeah. <laughs> oh, you saw a look in his face. You saw it. <laughs> Your comment has won the MVP of the podcast. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that that is probably the funniest choice we've ever had. So, <laughs> uh, best wardrobe or makeup moment, Dustin. Don Carlito's cream-colored suit covered in blood, I think, is wonderfully mm. done. Uh, we, we don't get people bloody enough in bloody movies. Now, I'm saying that to Mr. Horror. Now, you, you, you know blood well, Chad. Right. But um, I, I think sometimes you get just not – you don't get enough. And I think what you get here is there's two versions. There's the immediate blood splatter on the cream-colored suit. And then there's the blood that comes as a result of him pushing his henchman onto the grenade who then gets blown up underneath him. So he's soaked in it. Mm -hmm. So you get a blood spatter and then a full blood, we'll call it drenching. And I thought that they made that look convincing. So I thought that was great. I will never say no to more blood. (laughs) More blood, please. (laughs) Yes. Excellent. Uh, There's there's a pretty sweet watch that... Chelios is wearing it's a tag hewer Carrera, but I have to go more primal back to teenage boy. Verona's brother, he had a really cool looking gun, and I, uh, I thought the gun was itself was cool, but it doubles with the fact that it's prominently featured before being hacked off by a meat cleaver. So everything about that, my lizard brain, my primal brain. It's just kind of doing the monkey with symbols move. When that happens, I've just clap, clap, clap. <laughs> this this makes this makes me happy. Gun cool. <laughs> yes. So not not my most intelligent, thoughtful comment, but that's what I liked. Uh, okay, so I guess mine is uh, mine's going to be an even more primal urge, and this is. Are we going back to the boner? The, no, <laughs> no. Well, there is a boner in the scene which I'm talking about that may or may not be able to get up by Chev. Uh, this is the outdoor sexual assault scene with Amy Smart. It's impossible for me to say that she is not absolutely gorgeous, and the outfit that she's wearing is like 
It's like a like a summer dress Sundress. sort of thing. Yeah, with a and it's kind of like a button down on the front and the sleeves are, or the shoulders. It's kind of like puffy shoulders. There's at one point I don't know if he rips it off or it just falls off her shoulder, but that like one sleeve look when she's like looking back at him, I was like, this this is maybe the like the most attractive woman I've ever seen in my life and ever will see until <laughs> the end of time. Um, <laughs> it just like hit that primal urge with me and I'm like, yeah, okay. Calm down, Pete. This is a sexual assault happening right now. This is not good. <laughs> well, if it, it makes you feel better, the body double used for Amy Smart said Jason Statham was a complete sweetheart through this oh, this entire terrible scene. Oh, good. So she couldn't do Crank 2 because she was pregnant, but Amy Smart had called her back up and said, hey, can you do Crank 2? She said, I would love to, but I'm pregnant. But yeah, yeah, this this undress was really nice. It, it She cleans up well. Yes, would, would, it would be on brand with um, Neville Dean and Taylor to just use a pregnant stunt double, though, with the laziness of the production. <laughs> right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I think she continuity person has been sacked. I know, they, <laughs> they were never even hired, boy. <laughs> uh, cha- wow, this is going to be interesting. Change one thing and only one thing, Dustin. Yeah, just one thing. Restraint. This is. And I, I think I can do this as it is just one thing. Give us the girlfriend and gang exposition stuff in a slower paced segment at the beginning of the movie. Because once we start to move faster, I don't want to slow down. I think, I mm-hmm. think it's kind of a special, a special place in action movies for it to go at the speed that it goes even if you're a little confused for some of it. So why start at second one? Give us 15 or 20 minutes of some world building at all of any of that stuff. And and the stuff that you try to give us later, squeeze it in the middle. And then once the pace picks up, let's just do another 68 minutes of breakneck speed where we only increase our speed. I don't want a downshift here. Uh, So that's my one thing to change. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of things to change, but I think that's what I would, I think that would improve um, the art that these two guys are going for here is if you're going to go to the breakneck speed, let's make it dangerous for longer. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I, I like not potentially doing the jump start, but rather, Okay, here's here's the girlfriend. Here's the relationship. She doesn't answer her phone. Ha ha. Also spared mob boss. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. I'm for sixty eight minutes straight of yeah. balls to the walls action. Very good. Uh, for me, I we've covered it. The the sexual assault scene. You can change <laughs> it. You can you can change it to you still get the public sex. You still get the thrill of that everything else but just make it an established fetish of theirs whatever dream and you you can fix this uh, you can still have sex outdoors where people are cheering and she's <laughs> into it and and you get it becomes a fun scene instead of uh this is this is not fun we should not be celebrating this so you know don't don't bring don't bring my enjoyment of drug sex and violence down with yeah. rape mm-hmm. Pete, follow that up. <laughs> I will say, I want to go completely in left field, just to make this movie even more insane. I want to sub out 
uh, Dwight Yoakam for a Muppet and no explanation. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, that's it. Dr. It, Chief? Yeah, exactly. It cuts back to essentially uh, one of the one of the bandmates from Doctor Teeth is totally a grimy Muppet too. Like Doctor Bunsen yes. wouldn't be working with him. No, 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 no. It could not be Bunsen Honeydew. It would. Uh, I'm I'm cool with Doctor Teeth. I think that's a good one. There's another another one in the band. I can't remember his name, but um, what instrument does he play? God, it looks. Oh, I don't know. He's got a he's got a top hat and he's like blue with a top hat. Um, maybe that is maybe it is Doctor T. He plays the piano. Outfit, Zoot plays the saxophone. Well, e- either way, an un- it could be an unnamed Muppet, and it, instead, it's also voiced by Dwight Yoakam, <laughs> and he and he's also getting an erotic massage when you first see him, and it's no explanation. It's just that's that's what you get, and people will comment on it that it's an allegory for something that he's detached from the rest of the story or whatever. But in reality, it's just they wanted to do something yeah. weird. <laughs> You you have watched too much Mad God and other things. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Henson had a wild hair and wanted to get into crank. Yes. Yeah. There's enough of uh, the cameos in this from like random people like Chester Benningfield, Bennington and uh, uh, what's his name? Glenn Howerton. Yeah. They could they could have a, a Muppet, a Hanson uh, or Hen- Henson uh, cameo as well. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I'm not going to lie. So, Heck yeah. Jason Statham in a Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Dustin, there's there's actually a lot of good one-liners here, but what is your best quote? I found that, because I did only watch it once, but I, I found that like a lot of the great one-liners were really dialogue. It was like setup punchline. Um, so I'm going to give you one. It was during the car scene. Dr. Miles says, you take anything? He's running down. It's after the crash. He's running down the hallway. He says, a couple of grams of Coke. Dr. Miles goes, that's a start. <laughs> so I, I love his uh, positive attitude towards, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're on the right right mindset. Yep. <laughs> mob boss say, or mob doctor saying, cocaine. <laughs> yep. Yep, find more of that. With me, it's... It's the dynamic. We didn't talk very much about the dynamic between him and Kalo and the friendship there, but I I did like when Jason Statham is summarizing all this. Chev Chelios he says, "I'm dead and you're simple." Yeah. It was just such a funny line that summed up their the, the entire movie. Like it it pretty much just said, "Okay, we're going to take their characters and just put it in a sentence form." There we go. Okay, <laughs> Kalo is simple. Yep. We'll, we'll make him say it. Spell it out for you. That's what Crank does. Exactly. Pete, what's your favorite quote? I don't remember exactly if it what the line was, but it's in the middle of the shootout on the aforementioned uh, fire escape, and Amy Smart stops in the middle of this and goes, ah, oh, dang it, I forgot to take my birth control pills. <laughs> <laughs> He's completely oblivious, right. like doesn't care. The, uh, that is more important. It's, and I think that speaks to the fact that she's, she doesn't believe him because half half of the time after he confesses to what he does, she doesn't believe him. Right. That's what lead, leads her to follow him ultimately and, and get mixed up more in it. You don't work in video <laughs> games? Right, I told you I was a video <laughs> game designer. Right. 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 <laughs> All right. Before we get to our ratings and recommendations, Pete, please give us one more plug of your podcast. Tell us where we can hear it, where we can, where we can download it from. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, the show is called Middle Class Film Class. It's hosted by myself and Joseph and Tyler. Uh, we're good friends in real life, so the uh, the friendship translates on, on, on air. 
And uh, we really like uh, interacting with our listeners. So uh, go to the podcast player that you're listening to uh, this show on right now. Go to the search bar and type in middle class film class. It's a black and white icon. Can't miss it. Three head silo- silhouette. And um, hit subscribe. And um, it's it's fun. We, we Week by week, we kind of throw back to old stuff we talked about. So if you listen regularly, it, it gets rewarded. And you know, if you want to get on the show and get a little bit of airtime, it's uh, we interact a ton with our listeners. Call in guests, uh, read blurbs from people's. We read a we read a review from Jurassic Park Dominion for one of my our regular listeners who watched the movie while completely drunk in in the theater and then wrote a review immediately afterwards while still drunk, and uh, it was a pretty good review, pretty good because <laughs> none of the three of us watched it, so <laughs> we'll take reviews from our listeners too. Um, so yeah, that's called middle class film class, and uh, yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Excellent, definitely recommend you guys check it out. We have come to our ratings and recommendation time, though. We use a zero to five star scale, half star increment. So Pete, we are going to start with you since this was on your list. What are you giving Crank? Um, I'd say that Crank. Ultimately, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's, I went back and forth between two stars and two and a half stars. And and not because I didn't have enough fun enough when I, when I was watching it. It's just, there was enough, enough grimy stuff in there that's like, where's my protagonist? Where's my, where's my, uh, a hero to latch onto? And I don't think this movie really has that. And, uh, you know, as we said already ad nauseum throughout the show, some of the stuff just, it, it was out of place now. It was out of place then, but it's really out of place now. So um, if you wanted to see a movie that does this better, try Hardcore Henry, try Kate, try Upgrade. Um, all all movies that are, I had a really fantastic time watching and have the same spirit of Crank. Excellent. Dustin, where'd you land? Uh, right around where Pete landed. This is 2.5 stars for me. I think i'd mentioned enough of its shortcomings during the podcast but um it, it's funny we, we always say this is our ratings and recommendations but i rarely ever actually say if i recommend a movie or not and i don't recommend against this movie i think this is a good like a boilerplate for things that can be improved upon like the titles that pete just said so like this is something where i think a lot of people uh, attached to it when we were younger and it's a good way to like say yeah watch it and realize that like we can do way better and we have. Um, I think this yeah. movie would be, uh, or like this particular idea of the guy that only has so much time would be better as like a vignette about a character in another type of movie. Um, I think what we found is that Statham likes an ensemble, likes to be part of a team-based movie. Let's have some, we figured this out. Let's have some character who has to do this stuff instead of make it all about the movie. I think we'd be good with that. This would be a great portion of like a Sin City movie. I agree. Absolutely. That would, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I landed in the same place. This is such a weird, weird movie to review because Crank is a bad movie, but I would recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's two and a half. It's highly entertaining. There are movies that do what Crank does 
better. Maybe some of them learned from Crank. I don't know. I don't know that it's this watershed movie that people are like, oh, we should do this. Let's let's build on the legacy of Crank. I don't think that's what's happening here, but who knows? Maybe this is the godfather of many of these types of movies. But it is entertaining. It It's a highly entertaining, stupid, bad movie. And that's that's just where this lives and wants to live. So... I'm I'm not really trying to knock it with two and a half stars. I had a good time, but yeah. For our next movie, though, Dustin, you're going to help me decide. We're going on a ride for our next movie. We're going to have three movies that heavily feature taxi cabs. And no, not that movie. Uh. So option one, Collateral from 2004. A cab driver finds himself the hostage of an engaging contract killer as he makes his rounds from hit to hit during one night in Los Angeles. Option two, Taxi from 1931. Independent cabbie Matt Nolan is primed to let his fists and handgun deliver payback after a big taxi firm uses intimidation and violence to squeeze out small timers. Or option three, Night on Earth from 1991 an anthology of five different cab drivers in five American and European cities and their remarkable fares on the same eventful night. What are we watching, Dustin? Jamie Foxx, Tom Cruise, and I think Tandy Newton. We're going with Collateral from 04. We did summon Tom Cruise throughout this movie, so... <laughs> yes, the ritual complete... Yes, yes, he has been summoned. We have to do a Tom Cruise movie. Collateral it is. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great getting to talk with you. So enjoyed this movie. The ratings didn't pan out as as high, but it's still fun to get these types of movies. It's not always fun to just be like, we're going to do Gone with the Wind, Casablanca. Sure. Schindler's List. Like We're going to do these great movies. I like having these types of movies in here too. So thank you. Yeah, I, I I appreciate it. You guys are uh, fun to talk with, and uh, I'm I'm with you. It's like we talked about this being the boilerplate for uh, like a like almost a uh, a, a template for movies that want to go off the wall somehow. And I, yeah, and it's like there there is a market for that, and it can be done so so, and it can be done really fantastically. So uh, we wouldn't have a lot of the movies I think we have today without. You know, shaking it up a little bit with some crank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> crank and bake. So, so thank you guys, and, and thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you guys to reach out to us. We want to hear from you, so subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And producing and providing this podcast is fun, but it's not free. So hit up our Patreon page, patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contributions will make us richer, and that's what we care about. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Dustin? Mm-hmm. I've had older. When you're young, it's all fillet steak. But as the years go by, you have to move on to the cheap cuts, which is fine with me because I like those more flavorful, so they say. <laughs>